I want to introduce to you Judge Ian Justice. Ian. Ian Justice was not a very bright child. Daddy helped him through his schooling. Daddy knew someone in his lodge that would help him become a lawyer. Ian Justice just about scraped through the law exams. There was a rumour that Daddy knew someone on the exam board, but we're not sure about that. Ian Justice found that there was a lot of money to be made if the clients were rich. He did not want anything to do with legal, those legal aid clients. He found that by wearing the right tie and joining the right club, you could move up in this world. After some time, Ian eventually became a judge. Judge Ian Justice it had a certain ring about it. Sitting in judgement on big cases, city firms, high value divorce cases, etc., his judgement might be swayed with an inducement or two. Now, one day a widow, who had no family, no relatives to look after her, in fact, she barely had enough money to live on. Now, there was this big corporation that was going to take her to court as they wanted the plot of land on which her house stood. But she could not afford a lawyer to defend her, with little or no money that she had. On finding out that the case would be heard in front of Judge Ian Justice, she knew at once that she would not get justice, because she had no money for a little sweetener. She decided to take matters into her own hand, she would go to the chambers and plead her case for justice. Judge Ian Justice listened to her and even appeared sympathetic towards her. But at the end of the day, he dismissed her. He didn't want to be late to his club that evening. The next day, she was waiting for him at his office. When he arrived, when he, arrived he made an excuse that he was just too busy to see her that day. She tried phoning. She managed to get through on the first occasion, but once again she was dismissed. He told his receptionist that if she called again, he was unavailable. So she went to his chambers, but the doorman had instructions not to let her in. So she upped her game. She stood outside the chambers with a big banner, Justice for Widows. Day after day she stood there, Justice for Widows. It was starting to wear a bit thin with Judge Ian Justice. He thought, she keeps bothering me, even though I won't, get, I won't get anything out of it. I just want to get her off my back. So he gave in and gave her the justice that she demanded. Sounds very familiar to what we see going on in the world around us today. An almost total lack of justice. We live very much in a world of what's in it for me. All around, we, all around our surroundings, we live in a culture of what's in it with me, for me. Last week, Simon preached on Luke 17, on the Kingdom of God. It's part of the Luke series that we have been working through as a chapel over the past few weeks. You notice that we use the word series. There can be a problem, though, with series. If you watch one episode 
of a TV series or read one chapter of a book, well, she might enjoy that particular episode or chapter that you've watched or read. You will never get the whole story of what the TV series or the book is about. Now, I've put down here mashed spuds, much to Jane's dislike, because I was going to use the example. If you open a cookery book and you want to, you, you, you look in it and you see shepherd's pie halfway down, peel the spuds, boil them, smash them to bits, put them on the top. Right? You could, if you just read that one bit, peel the spuds, mash them, boil them, mash them, you might be taken to think, that's what I do with spuds, because you've just taken it completely out of context. You've just read it that little bit. You wouldn't be able to bake a potato or make chips like that. But we seem to do that sometimes with the Bible. We read a bit and we take that as a given. Simon gave us an example last week of the dangers of taking verses out of context when he mentioned Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and knock. How often this is quoted in evangelistic work when in fact it was written to a whole church and not an individual. Today's passage we have another verse that could and often is taken out of context. We should pray and not give up. Do we read or use this to mean that we should keep praying to God till he gives us what we are asking for? Are we we to keep pestering God until he gives in to us? Are our prayers like a battering ram to keep pounding away until until we finally get through? Well, the answer is yes and no. Before I go any further, I must stress here that I'm only talking here about this verse we should pray and not give up praying for in the context of this Bible passage. So I'm only talking about as we read it here. We are not praying here for Colin's operation next week or the house move will go through or dry weather for the church outing next week. There will be many items like this on our daily prayer list and rightly so. We are not praying for these things as far as I can see from this passage. So what are we praying for? If you turn back to Luke 17, we find Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He had with him his disciples. The Pharisees had asked him a question, when will the kingdom of God come? He tells his disciples that the kingdom of God is in their midst. I'm not going to repeat Simon's excellent sermon from last week. If you missed it, then I encourage you to look on the website and listen to it. Jesus Jesus is talking to his disciples about a time to come when they will no longer see him. As he's talking to his disciples, then we need to listen very carefully, and even more so if we call ourselves disciples of Jesus, because that's who Jesus is addressing. So if you would turn with me in Luke 18, which is on page uh, 1051 of your Bibles, I'm going to read the first ten verses. Luke 18, 1 to 10. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable 
to show, to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared for what people thought. And there was a widow in the town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversaries. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for those he, for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Who is this judge that we're talking about in this passage? Well, it, it might be like Judge and uh, Justice that we talked about earlier. We don't honestly know who he was, but all we do know that he was an unjust judge. We know that he wasn't God, which sometimes we, if we skim read it, we think of him as God. Because it says in verse 4, even though I don't fear God or care, care what people think. We just know that he's unjust. You and I live in an unjust world. In our everyday lives we see so much injustice around us. What's in it for me, people putting one over on others with no fault for, them, for, for, for others? The cloning of identities where life savings are taken. Reports of drug taking ruining lives while those that supply them get rich day by day. Of children abused or put to work as child prostitutes, of human trafficking and slave labour. There are so many examples. Then there's the injustice towards Christians. A 77-year-old Christian florist would have to pay back $5,000 to end a 10-year legal battle over her refusal to provide floral arrangements for a same-sex wedding ceremony. A Christian church in the northern state of Nigeria has been threatened with attacks unless they close down and stop meeting for worship. Baptist and Presbyterian churches are among those that have been uh, damaged by shelling in uh, Marmi. An evangelical pastor injured and his son killed in a shooting in Haiti as the country falls further into the grips of criminal gangs. In England, Worcester College has found itself in the centre of the row over freedom of speech after the new provost, David Isaac, apologised for letting the Oxford College host a Christian conference. A Christian nurse is challenged for her former, uh, challenged in her former hospital for forcing her out of a job because she wanted to wear a small cross. We live in an unjust world. We should not be surprised at these injustices towards Christians. Why doesn't God act now? Why doesn't he act today to stop all this injustice? Why does he not come back? Why can't, you know, we want this second coming? When will it be? Well, believe it or not, I've actually found the answer of when he's coming back. 
So if you've got your Bibles, just turn with me very quickly to 2 Peter 3. I don't know, I haven't found it myself. Right, 2 Peter 3 is on page... It's on page 1223. Remember, we're thinking about injustice. I'm going to start reading from verse 3. You must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago God created the world, the heavens, came into being and the earth was formed out of the waters, by the waters. By these waters also the world of this time will be deluged and destroyed. But the same word and the present heaven and the earth are reserved for the fire, sorry, reserved for the fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient. And this is the bit that got me. Not wanting, well, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to become to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be, dis- will, be, will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done, done will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day and speed the coming. The day that will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire the elements were melt in the heart in the heat. But in keeping his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that the Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gives him. He writes in the same way in all his letters, speaking of them, speaking of them, of this matter. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unsuitable people distort, as they do with other scriptures, so that they, to do their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, Be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the errors of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in grace and knowledge for our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be the glory. And that struck me very much that, you know, we all say when will justice come? The Lord is being patient. He's got other people that he wants to save. And, you know, we can get so hung up, can't we? When will this day come? When will it? it will come in his time, when he is ready, when those people that he wants to save will be saved.
We need to pray, therefore, I believe, from this passage, that we, main, that we remain faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ while suffering the injustices of this fallen world. It's all too easy to start off believing and being on fire for the Lord. Then, without really thinking, and very slowly at first, we start to slip away into the things of this world. We should know better than to say to ourselves and to others, go on, it won't harm you. It's just this once. Everyone's doing it anyway. But it's all too easy to say these things and live by them. Did God really say you must not eat of any tree in the garden? The world we live in is full of injustice. It's easy for us living in and around all this injustice to slip back into the what's in it for me culture. Tempted to slip back? We were reminded last week of what happened to Lot's wife when she looked back. She had everything. She was being saved from judgment to come. She was told not to look back, but she did. Look at verse 8 again, back in our passage in Luke 18. In particularly to verse 8. Because this is the crux, I believe, of this passage. I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, this is not the whole verse, is it? There is a big, and when I say big, I mean a really big however stuck right in the middle of this verse. I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on this earth? In this chapel, we preach Christ crucified. He died for our sins and there will be justice when he comes. But every time there is justice, there's also a judgment. I don't know if you think about that. If you ask for justice, the judge will give a judgment. What will your judgment be when he comes? Will he find faith in you? Will he find faith in me? So the answer to this question that we are praying for in this passage, as far as I can see, that we should pray and not give up, that we will remain faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ as we wait in an unjust world until he comes. Now I've summed this up from another bit of scripture. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in a little while, he, will he who is coming will come and will not delay. And by my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do, but we do belong to those who shrink... Sorry. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. When he comes, will he find faith on this earth? Will he find faith in me? Will he find faith in you? It's quite a, 
a staggering thing to think about, isn't it? That we pray for all these things and yet here's a call for us to remain faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ in this unjust world, in these things that we see. I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray for all these other things, but we must focus on salvation and on the Lord Jesus Christ and spreading his gospel. I could have gone on to read about what faith looks like, but I'll leave that to you. From Hebrews, you see this big long list of what faith looks like. If the Lord Jesus Christ is calling on you to do something, will you step out in faith like these old saints did 